So now, part two of the armor of God. Uh, as you can see, we have some armor up here. We're going to be kind of talking through a lot of this. But let's look at Ephesians. If you're in new version this morning, the notes are there. Or some of the notes are there. There's been a, a lot of revisions since that went out. Uh, actually, yesterday morning I was up early this morning and, and, uh, and praying about some things. And so um, let's look at Ephesians 6, 10 down through verse 20. Uh, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. A couple weeks ago, when we started this series, I broke that down in the context in which that is written and how we do battle. And so if you haven't seen that message, go back in the archives and take a look at it. Today is where we start. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Father, bless the reading of the word this morning to our lives. In Jesus' name, we all said amen. All right, so we talked about the context last time we were together. Uh, the context in which we do warfare. Uh, and we've, we really realized that resisting in our own personal strength and resolve is just not enough. So the passage here, Paul telling us to take a stand against the devil's schemes and the, and the wiles or the strategies that he uses against us. We have to know what they are, and we covered those last time. Our struggle is a spiritual struggle, and the forces of evil are doing their best to undo or to reclaim that which Jesus gave us victory over on the cross. Um, they want to have the dominion. When Jesus died on the cross, when he cried, it is finished, when he shed his last breath, when he went into the tomb, when he was raised the third day, all of those things, he defeated death, hell, and the grave in that moment. He defeated sin in that moment. And the powers of darkness were broken over our lives, those of us that follow Jesus in that moment. Now, here's the thing. But it doesn't mean that the forces of darkness didn't want to reclaim you for their possession. So they're still attacking. The enemy is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's going to and fro. He's looking. He's tempting. He's doing all of these things. That's who the enemy is. And they want the forces of evil, the forces of darkness, want to reclaim you under their dominion. We have to stay free of the dominion of darkness. Can I get a witness in the house this morning? We do that by using the resources that God has placed at our disposal. Only spiritual resources will combat spiritual forces. You have to have spiritual resources, which brings us to where we are today. Paul said, put on the full armor of God. Put on the full armor of God, all the resources. If you look at the armor of God, not, and this is a physical set of armor. This is just for, for illustrative purposes today. It's not a physical set of armor. I want you to understand that. Paul was using the armor as an analogy to, to help people see a word picture in their mind as to what he's speaking of. But basically he said this, put on the full armor of God. So we've got to have total coverage, everything, all the resources that God has placed at our disposal, we should be using to combat the spiritual forces of darkness. Can I get a witness? You're going to have to help me a little bit this morning. My voice is a little scratchy, so I'll preach and you preach back. How about that? We good? Awesome. Thank you. So what is the full armor? It's the belt of truth. 
It's the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace. It's the shield of faith. It's the helmet of salvation. It's the sword of the spirit. Why the full armor? Why not? You know, the sword is cool. Why don't we, why just, we just need the sword. No. I think I'll, I think I'll just use the breastplate of righteousness and I'm just going to carry the sword. I think I can, I think I can do warfare with just that. That's not how it works. He said, put on the full armor of God because he wants you and I to be completely covered. All the resources needed and available to us for combating the spiritual forces of darkness that come against us. Now, armor, there's a word, and I hope I pronounce it correctly. It's uh, panoply, or P-A-N-O-P-L-Y. Y'all pronounce it however you want to pronounce it. You know, we knew that was going to happen, Charlie. We, all talk, we talked about that very thing happening. I'm just going to leave it right where it's at. That means the complete outfit of personal armor for defense and attack. And Luke 11, 21 and 22 talks about the strong man. It talks about he used armor in which he trusted. David comes on the scene, I uh, heard Tommy talk about it a while ago, David comes on the scene, he's fighting Goliath. The first thing that Saul does is, here, put my armor on. Now, David is a little kid, 13, 14 years old, maybe, little guy. Saul, the Bible talks about the description of Saul as he is head and shoulders taller than anyone else in the entire nation. Now, think about that picture in your mind. Here, David, use my armor. I mean, there was, when I was a little kid, there was some, I was a little guy, it was sometimes that, that I would put, I would take, my dad would take his coat off, you know, after Sunday church. That's back in the day when it was a sin not to wear a suit and tie when you come to church. And so he would wear a suit and tie, and I would get home. Sometimes I would put his coat, and it would drag the ground. It's just big old thing on me. Now, now I'm a lot larger than my dad. A lot larger than my dad. But here's the thing. You see David in, in Saul's armor, and he says something very important to us. He said, I cannot go in these. I cannot fight in these because I am not used to them. I'm not used to them. It's, it's the wrong armor for him. Okay? The armor of God is the same for everybody, but it's not a one-size-fits-all. Okay? The belt of truth, we have to work out our own salvation with what? Fear and trembling. That's what the scripture says. We need all of the resources. We need the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace. We need the shield of faith. We need the helmet of sight. We need all of it and the sword of the, We need all of those things. But it, it fits us. All right? So let's talk today about the belt of truth. I'm kind of scared to pick up anything because I may drop some more stuff. And, and this, is, this is just a belt. Now, now, this will not go around me. I will tell you that straight up. <laughs> not even close. This is a medium. I haven't been a medium in many, many, many years. But the deal about the belt of the truth, of truth it's interesting to me. It's interesting to me that he starts with the belt of truth. Because we, we tend to view, as Christians, we tend to view our walk in discipleship as beginning at salvation. So why wouldn't he start with the helmet of salvation? Why wouldn't he start there? Instead, he starts with the belt of truth. Why not the helmet? It's the goal. It's where we all should start. There's salvation, then everything flows from there. The reason he starts with the belt when it comes to the armor is that's the first piece that, that any soldier puts on. 
the, the soldier put on the belt because every other piece of armor was attached to the belt in ancient days. Remember, we're not talking about the modern soldier. We're talking about ancient Rome. So everything was attached. You look at a law enforcement officer today. They have their, they have their vest, but what do they have below? They have this belt. And it's full of stuff. Everything's connected to the belt. Everything in our life emanates from the truth. Everything. Everything. What is truth? Well, that's debatable this day and age. The definition is the body of real things, events, and facts. It's actuality. It's the state of being the case. In other words, the fact. It's a transcendent, fundamental, or spiritual reality. But let's shift to our culture. What does our culture say about truth? According to Jody Picoult, she says this, perhaps there is not one truth. There is only what happened based on how you perceived it. More than ever before, perception is reality. The truth is variable and in many cases tends to be different for everyone. Now, I can understand that concept when it comes to paint color. For example, I was talking to John Davis and Ronnie Munn this morning. They're dressed like twins. You know, they both have this light orange looking shirt. But someone said, no, it's salmon. <laughs> Tim Anderson, you wouldn't be identical. You're a little taller than those two. But here's the thing. When we look at stuff like that, some call it salmon. Some call it light orange, you know, fuchsia, mauve. <laughs> Going to school, you learn basic colors, right? Red, blue, green. But everything else... Depending on where you go, depending on where you go, Kim and I are looking for paint colors for our house. I, we, we've settled on what I call blue. It's called blue heron. Well, I've seen blue herons. They're not blue. They're gray. But I'm saying this to give you this example of what I'm talking about. This is where the truth is variable in many cases tends to be different for everybody. The problem in culture, the problem in our society today is basically threefold. We have three things that, that are playing against truth. One of them is pluralism. Pluralism in and of itself is probably not a bad thing. It's different beliefs and different types of things living together. We, we are a pluralistic society when we're talking about 50, uh, 50 states as one nation, all this kind of stuff. But when, it start, when you get down into the areas of religion, things, there's this syncretism that starts sinking in. And I heard this guy say the other day, he said, he said I'm a Roman Catholic Buddhist. <laughs> wow. And I, and I, I was listening to someone, I, I, I watch a lot of fixer-up shows because we're working on a fixer-upper, believe me. And so these people, and, and this lady, she said, she said, she was talking to um, the couple in Mississippi. What's their name? Um, ben and Aaron Napier. Um, I watch a lot of, a lot of Fixer Upper shows, so I know these people's first names. <laughs> Chip and Joanna Gaines. <laughs> the Mars family, all these guys. But she said this to them. She said, I want this done, this done, this done. And she said, then I want this to become my Zen room. 
And, and here's the thing, okay? And I've heard people make statements, well, you know, I, 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 it's my Zen moment and all this kind of stuff. And, I, and I, I know what they mean up to a point. But what is really happening is it's the pulling, as a, as a Christian, we're pulling in other aspects of other religions to make up what we believe and how we practice. And that is a dangerous element. It's a dangerous element. You know, I mean, I've seen people that, that, that they, they, they've, they may have a Roman Catholic background or some, some other type of background that's out there, and then they may, pull in, they may pull in some aspects of where they talk to the dead, have communication with their ancestors and things like that. But I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Christ follower, but yet, and if you, if you go back in the Old Testament, one of the things that got Saul in trouble was he went and saw soothsayers and medians. So we're, they're pulling stuff in, so not only do we have this pluralism that's taking place, we also have this syncretism that's happening. And even in Christianity, we're pulling aspects of other religion to make up our Christian faith. And that's a problem. I told the dream team this morning in our prayer time, I said, I hope I have a job after I get finished today. Because I'm probably going to step on some areas that you may or may not like. But I'm, what I'm trying to do this morning is show you truth from a biblical perspective. All right? So then there's paganism. Um, we, I would never be a pagan, but yet we pull in. Paganism is simply earthly gods, earthly things that we've set up as deities in our life. Oh, I would never do that. But yet there are stuff that is constantly set between us and our relationship with God. Oh, I don't have to go to church to be saved. I beg to differ. I beg to differ. You don't find that in Scripture. Well, no, it doesn't say that I have to go to church. It says, do not stop assembling together. That's New Testament. The Old Testament, all the festivals, all the, everything, everybody, you had a Sabbath. You had to set, set aside. A Sabbath is set aside for the three main relationships in your life, your relationship with God, your relationship with your spouse, and your relationship with your children. That centers on God. You go to the temple. You can only go a certain distance. Most people live real close proximity to the temple. They would, they would walk there, do their, their religious thing, and then they would spend the rest of the day with their families. But yet we pull these things in to make us, and we go, well, my time is what's holy. No, your time is not what's holy. My job comes in front of church. My family, my sports, my stuff, all this stuff comes between me and, listen, that's paganism in its purest form. But yet we say, Truth is different for everybody. And then there's individualism, where the individual is the center of the universe, the center of the interviews. The individual basically becomes God. Everything is about the individual. Now, in talking about the belt of truth, there are two areas. We talked about the schemes, the devices of the enemy. This is what we're combating. We begin with the belt of truth. So we're combating two specific areas with the belt of truth, our identity and our sexuality. That's the two main areas that Satan attacks us. When a child is born, the moment that child comes out of the mother's womb, a declaration is made. It's a boy or it's a girl. Male or female is determined by what area of the body the loin area. What does the belt of truth cover? The loin area. 
Where's the greatest lies being told today to humanity in the area of our sexuality and our identity? You see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Even though the doctor says it's a boy or it's a girl, culture says, hold on a minute. That may not be true. We're going to have to wait a little while. Let that child make the decision. So let's talk about our identity. The first area of life in which the enemy frequently attempts to rattle us is our sense of identity. Adam and Eve in the garden is the greatest example of this. We walk and you see the picture of the garden, you read the story of the Garden of Eden, and we go, oh, it was pride, it was this. No, the real attack on, on Adam and Eve was in the area of their identity. Because what Satan was able to do was convince them that they were not who God said they were. They were already God's children. They had access to every single solitary resource, including their creator, every day. And he convinced them, oh, you, God didn't, you're, you, you're not like God, because God knows if you eat of this, you're going to be like him. So he convinced them that God, what God said to them wasn't true. So now they believed a lie. As a result, their identity was skewed. Their perception of everything got in the way. Now, here's the thing. When we begin to look at our life, if we don't start with identity, remember what, what uh, um, Picoult said. More than ever, perception is reality. Truth is variable. It tends to be different for everybody. That's just not so. We say perception is reality. Perception is not reality. Reality is reality. Truth is reality. Your identity is where it begins. If you have a healthy identity in Christ, then your perceptions are not skewed. And when your perception, but if your perception from, from identity to perception to desire to choice to action to experience and then the impact. If everything in our life, if we have a true identity in Christ and we walk and know who we are in Christ, then our perceptions are not skewed by opinions and things of this nature, which impacts our desires. Our desires are good desires. We keep them in line with God so that our choices born out of desires are good choices, not evil sources. They're biblical choices. They're not ungodly choices, not worldly choices, which means that our actions line up with Scripture, which means our experiences are based on good actions and good choices, which means the impact that we have on our life is a healthy one. But too often, we live in the area of perception. Truth is what the event is and our perception of that event, and that's not true. That's what the world tells us, but that is just not the case. Everybody tracking with me so far? All right. So who am I? Who am I? I am who he says that I am. I am who God says that I am. I am who God created to me to be. I am the person that God formed in my mother's womb. I am the person. I may have been born with a fallen nature, but when I come to Christ, that nature is regenerated. I am now a new creation, and all things are of God in my life. That is truth. That is truth. If we return to perception, then everything gets skewed. Perception is not reality. But if we return to identity, then we move through life with peace and contentment, knowing that God is the source of it all. All right? So let's talk about sexuality for just a moment. The belt covers the area of sexuality. 
Our identity is more than our sexuality. But sexuality is one area of our life that we often view as a definer of who we are. And the things that pertain to sex are easy pickings for Satan. Whether it's sexual orientation, whether it's when do we begin engaging in sexual acts, premarital, extramarital, what about pornography, masturbation, all of these. Where, where does it all fit? Where does it all come into play? I was born this way. Well, that's not even the correct argument. I was born with these desires. I was born with these feelings. I was born with this. I was born with that. Okay. I'll give you that. Now, for anybody who goes, ah, we're not born. I'm not saying there's a genetic code. I'm just simply saying I will give you that argument because it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. I'm going to get real graphic with you for just a moment. I was born with predispositions as well. My predisposition from a young age was to sleep with as many women as I possibly could. Then one day I read a passage of scripture that told me that it's one man, one woman for life and that I shouldn't pursue sexual immorality. And I had to make a choice. Do I live according to my desires or do I live according to the word of God? Do I live according to what society tells me to do, which is variable? Or do I live the way God created me and the way his word teaches me to live? How does God expect me to live? John 2 verse 4 says, Whoever says, I know him, speaking of Jesus, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. You see, the argument with Christianity is always this, that, that, that it... That, it doesn't include everything. And, it, and it's not a, we're not talking about syncretism. We're not pulling everything into this. We're not doing that. Christianity is the most inclusive religion in the world. Whosoever will may come. Whosoever will may come. But where the exception is taken is that there's not multiple avenues to get to God. I can find God through Buddhism. I can find God through Zen. I can find God through sensualism. I can find through God through Wiccan. I can find God through this and that and all these other things, new, the, through, through uh, rocks and trees and all this. I can find God. The problem is that Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to God except through me. It's a narrow path. It's a narrow path. In the area of sexuality, in the area of sexuality, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not homophobic. I was when I was young. I'm not young anymore. I'm not. We have people that sit here every Sunday morning that live an openly gay lifestyle. I love them. They're welcome here. Now, folks that are in transgender situations. We love you. You're welcome here. You're welcome here. But it doesn't shade anything from the truth of God's word. 
God has a order. God has a plan. God has truth. He has truth. Yeah, but pastor, this is my truth. I'm searching for my truth. Listen, there's not my truth and your truth. There is just the truth. And the truth is Jesus. I'm trying to find my way. There's not my way and your way. There's his way. I'm trying to figure out my life. Listen to me. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. You want peace? You go through Jesus. You live the way Jesus said we live. There's a side note here. I, gotta, I've gotta, I, I would be remiss if I don't mention this. And this is something that all of us who are parents, especially those of you that have smaller children, you need to understand this. You need to think about this. Solomon wrote in the Song of Solomon, he said something very important. He said this. He said, he said do not arouse or awaken passions too early. Multiple times through the Song of Solomon. Be careful as your children are growing up, be careful that you're not alighting passion and you're not arousing that child way before they're mature enough to handle it. Amen. Look, I'm not, I'm not a political kind of guy, okay? I, I hate politics. I hate partisan politics worse. So I'm not advocating the Democrat or Republican this morning. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm a mutual offender, okay? I'm just going to deal with everybody. <laughs> But here's what I've got to tell you, and this is what you've got to understand. When you're encouraging that little three- and four-year-old person to hold hands of that girl, that little boy, oh, this is a little boyfriend, this is a little girlfriend, think about not lighting the fires of passion too early. I was 10 the first time I saw pornography, and for 15 years it consumed my life. 10 years old. 10 years old. Be careful what you watch on television. Be careful what you're seeing, what you're bringing into your home. Don't light the fires of passion too early. It's how, it's how, it's how people that have been victims of, of abuse, they, all their desire, they get all skewed and get all messed up because when they were very, very young, someone violated them and the fires, of the, the, the desire, all those kind of things got all jumbled up and now their decisions are based on those things. That's not truth. But it's their perception of what happened to them that they've embraced his truth. First Corinthians six nineteen says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Been a lot of brouhaha the last couple of weeks about this leak from the, the Supreme Court with Roe v. Wade. Everybody's mad. Some are going, ah, some are going, Nurr. depending on which side of the aisle you're on. But see, abortion, abortion fits right into this whole situation because abortion is a truth issue. I'm in control of my own body. It's my body. I get to determine. Our health care is in danger. Well, less than like three less than three percent of all abortions are health related. The other 97, 98% are convenient related, convenience related. They're used as birth control. That's not truth. That's not truth. It's, not, it's wrong. To take the life of an unborn person, it's, it's wrong. What abortion is, is a control issue. 
It's an ownership issue. Ultimately, it's a form of idolatry. When we look to the individual as the one and only person that matters, we're pulling in some elements of syncretism, some elements of paganism, and some elements of individualism. Because it, ultimately, it's a form of idolatry, and it says, I'm in control of my body. My body is my temple. And God's word says, our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You were bought with a price. Romans 1.20, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, divine nature being clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. And although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over to the sinful desires of their heart the sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. God is truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's given us a, a, a manual to live by. When we step out of that and say, it doesn't, I'm, I don't, God doesn't own me and I won't, I'm going to do what I want to do the way I want to do it, that's individualism and it's idolatry. Because we put ourselves before God and God's word. Your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. Look at this in 2 Timothy 3. There'll be terrible times in the last days, verse 1. Verse 2, people will be lovers of themselves. Verse 7, you go through a whole bunch of stuff. They're abusive, they're proud, they're disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiveness, slanderous, without self-control, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying, denying its power. Verse 7, always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge to the, of the truth. Once again, we say, I need my truth. It's my truth, it's my truth, it's, it's no. It's the truth. It's the truth of God. John 8, 32 says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Everything that we're searching for, everything that humanity is looking for, everything that we want, freedom, peace, contentment, all of those kinds of things. Yeah, but I just want to be happy. That's not in the Bible. He's going to make me happy. She's going to make me happy. That's going to make, no. Happiness is not in the Bible. Joy's in there, yes. But it's the joy of the Lord. But peace, contentment, satisfaction, all of those things, that's biblical. Those things come through a relationship with Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. We need freedom regarding sexuality. We need truth about who we are. And only Jesus is the truth that sets us free. First Timothy, he said this, he said, this is good and pleases our God and Savior who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into what? All the truth. It doesn't say all truth, it says all the truth. And in John 17, 17, sanctify them by the truth, your word. Is truth. 
This morning, as we put on the belt of truth, our prayer should be the prayer of the psalmist when he prayed this, guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are my God and my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Let's stand all over the house this morning. I don't know where you're at this morning, okay? Maybe you're struggling in same-sex relationships and homosexuality. Maybe you're, you're battling your identity in transgender and all this kind of stuff. I, I, it, look, one sin is not greater than another sin. We all face it. We all need Jesus. We all need truth. This is a place of safety for you. This is a house of safety. It's a place of love, acceptance, and forgiveness. I can't change you. No one in this room can change you. All I can do is give you truth, and you've got to choose. You've got to choose. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's been legal in the United States. It's been okay. Well, just because it's legal doesn't mean you have to. I don't, I don't know what's going to come of this. None of us do. Ah, oh, but it's been leaked. Everything leaks. I don't know. But here, here's the thing that we have to recognize. It's irrelevant what the Supreme Court does. Because the truth has been settled in God's word. The truth has been settled in God's word. This is what God's word says. So, well, pastor, I've already had an abortion. Okay. It's not the unpardonable sin. God can restore and he will. God forgives and he does. That's the beauty of God. That the moment we come to faith in him, everything pre that disappears from the record books. I hit a button on my computer not too long ago. Everything disappeared. I still haven't got a lot of it back. I don't know where it went. But if you work, if you work around me for any length of time, you know me in technology and computers. I can do things with computers that not another person on the earth can do. And it's not good. Jeff? Jeff goes, I don't know what you did, man. But the example is this, I hit something and everything disappeared. Everything. When we come to faith in Jesus, everything from that moment disappears. And they're never brought up to us again by God. God, God said, I'm going make a choice. I'm choosing to wipe it away. Not covering it, I'm wiping it away. And that's hope. That's hope. Everything emanates from truth, guys. Everything. And it's not your truth or my truth. It's his truth. And Jesus is the way, is the truth, and he is the life. And everything flows through him. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Today.